In that stack of mail that you haven't had the opportunity to open for quite some time, you finally fit, flip through all of it and you see an envelope from the publishing company of the magazine, the subscription to which you had to cancel because your lack of time to actually read that magazine did not justify the amount of money that you were spending on that subscription. And out of curiosity, you rip open the envelope and inside it says to you, that you personally have been selected, chosen to receive an exclusive members-only deep discount off of the newsstand price, over 65% off, and all you need to do in order to enjoy everything that you've been missing out on for so long is to fill out the information, cut your check, put it in the mail, send it off, and then you'll start receiving the magazine again, the cheapest you have ever seen it. Do you believe it? Or do you doubt it? Your phone rings, and you just instinctively answer it before you actually looked and realized that it was an unknown number. And so when you answer, then on the other end of the line booms this voice that says, Congratulations! You are a lucky winner of a grand trip to beautiful Puerto Rico. You and four of your family and friends can fly first class, all expenses paid. You'll be picked up by a driver, and he will take you to the most luxurious resort on the island. This package is full. I just need a little bit of information. But this package is full and complete, all expenses paid. Island excursions, beautiful waterfalls, plenty of beach time. All I need is a little information from you, and you will be on your way. The vacation of your lifetime. Do you believe it? Or do you doubt it? And then there's this book. This book that claims to be the very word of the Almighty God, the creator of all things. And this book that claims to be his own word, it says to you that this divine, almighty, holy God who has created the entire universe, that he so loves human beings, human beings who have destroyed and abused every aspect of that beautiful creation that he has made, human beings who repeatedly reject him and turn away from him, human beings who completely disregard his demands for morality. Yes, he loves those human beings so much, he loves you so much, that he sent his son, his one and only son, and he sent him to this world to become one of those creatures, to live a life in which he would experience pain and sorrow and suffering and yet live it perfectly and holy to live up to every single expectation of that almighty God. And then this book claims that at the end of that very perfect and holy life, that this son of God, that he then gave up that life willingly over to the cross, over to a death, a most excruciating and painful death on a cross executed by human creatures for you. And the book claims that because of that death, that this Son of God died for you, that you have been declared righteous. 
justified, at peace with God Almighty. And then the book claims that this dead man who lay in a tomb for three days, that then God the Almighty, he raised him up, gave him life again, and promises you because of that resurrection from the dead, you also have life eternal and everlasting. And this book claims that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that you need to do to be right with God. That that Son of God has done it all for you. Do you believe it? Or do you sometimes struggle to believe all of that? Do you sometimes have doubts that all of that could be true? And you know, maybe part of it is because we long for it to be true. We know how much our heart yearns for everything that the Bible says to us to be true. And so maybe we actually guard ourselves against it, against believing it. Because you've known people, right? You've known people in your life who they so desperately want something to be true that they will believe it even in the face of facts that contradict it. And because you've known people like that, maybe you guard your heart a little bit. Now, the opposite can also be true, right? And there are some people who don't want something to be true so vehemently that they will refuse to believe it, even in the face of evidence that demonstrates its validity. And the reality is that inside each and every one of us, there is a part of us, inside each and every human being, there is a part that hates God so much that it doesn't want anything that he says to be true. And it lives inside of you and it lives inside of me. And it is the reason that doubts rise in our hearts. It is the very reason that we do destroy and abuse all the beautiful, wonderful things that God has created for us. It is the reason that we question His promises. And maybe that doubt comes because you look out into this world, you look out at the current state of affairs, you, you see war, you see fires that consume people's lives, and, and you wonder if there's really this deeply loving, compassionate God out there who is all-powerful, could it really be true that he is at work in, in this world? Or maybe it's your own personal circumstances that lead you to, to ask those questions. Maybe it's because your own family, the people with whom you have created and you have cherished so many memories, all of a sudden in an instant has catastrophically crumbled. 
And you can't correlate a God of love and kindness and grace with the pain and sorrow and suffering that you're currently experiencing. Or maybe those doubts arise because some really smart people, people that you look up to, people that you have deep honor for, respect for them, maybe even adore them in some ways, but these people, scientists, philosophers, college professors, they continued to put forth these deep questions that are designed to dispel what they declare to be the myth of Christian religion. For whatever reason it might be, have any of you ever had doubts in your heart and your mind? And if you have, then I want you to know it's okay. To have doubt doesn't mean that you are a bad Christian or a weak believer. In fact, the first thing I want you to take away from today's message is that doubt doesn't disqualify you from the kingdom of God. And just because there's doubt in your mind, it doesn't mean that the Bible isn't for you. It means that it is. Because your God, through his word, he wants to overcome your doubts. And if you ever had doubt in your mind, then Thomas is your dear friend. Thomas is the disciple of Jesus that we're going to take a close look at today. As we look at this interaction that Thomas had with Jesus and with the other disciples... Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, if you're familiar with the stories of Jesus, you're familiar with some of his disciples, you might be familiar, you might know that Thomas has a nickname. Anyone know the the nickname that Thomas has? Doubting Thomas? How do you think he feels about that nickname? (laughs) Like, he probably doesn't, doesn't care for that one too much, right? You see, the section right before what Pastor Dan read for you earlier today talks about how Jesus appeared after his resurrection. He appeared to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there when he came back, and the disciples shared, he's been here, Thomas said, I doubt it. And so he gets that nickname, Doubting Thomas, but I bet Thomas would rather that we remembered something else about him and maybe chose a different nickname for him. See, you have to understand that Thomas... He was not a weak disciple. Thomas was not a a, a bad believer. In fact, there's this other account from the life of Jesus. It's written by this very same gospel writer. It comes in John chapter 11. And in John chapter 11, Jesus discovers that one of his very close friends, a man named Lazarus, is sick. Very sick. And Jesus wants to go and be with his friend. But the rest of the disciples, they remind Jesus that the last time that he was where his sixth friend now is, 
the people of that area, the Jews there, they were so upset, so angry with Jesus that they tried to execute him by stoning him. Probably not the wisest decision to go back. And yet Jesus insisted. And this is what Thomas said at that time. Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So maybe Thomas would prefer the nickname death-defying Thomas. Might like that a little better than doubting Thomas. And yet God wants you to hear this account that we have before us today. God wants you to see what happens in Thomas's life, his interaction with Jesus. I think that he made sure that it was recorded just for you. And you think about what's taking place that day. And if everything that the, the Bible says is true, and it is, that Jesus is the Almighty God, which means that he is all-powerful, but it also means that he is all-knowing, then Jesus knew on that first Easter Sunday night when he appeared to the disciples, Jesus knew that Thomas wasn't there. Jesus deliberately chose to appear in that room when Thomas was absent. Because Jesus, he could have looked at his calendar. He could, have, he could have changed up his resurrection day, Easter Sunday schedule. As busy as it was, as many things as he had to do on Easter Sunday, as many people as he had to see, he could have rearranged it, and he could have shown up at a time when Thomas was there, but he didn't. He deliberately chose to appear when Thomas wasn't. And so when Thomas returned... The disciples shared this message with him. And perhaps Thomas's doubt is reasonable. On that first Sunday evening, imagine what all of the disciples had just been through, the emotional roller coaster of events that had occurred in the last four days. Because after a very celebratory meal with their good friend Jesus... They went out into the night, and he was betrayed, he was arrested, he was condemned and convicted, and then he was executed. And Thomas saw it all. Thomas was there as Jesus hung from that tree. He saw his struggle to breathe. And he saw how that struggle became more and more intense, more and more laborious, until it just ceased. And a corpse hung on that tree. And now when Thomas got back, Peter, James, and John, and the, the rest of his friends, they were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. He is alive. We saw the nail marks in his hand. We saw the, the pierced side. He spoke to us. He gave us this incredible gift. And Thomas said, I can't believe it. Oh, he wanted to. 
No, Thomas knew just how deeply in his heart and his mind he wanted that to be true. I mean, can you imagine all the conversations that would have taken place that night over the next week as the disciples begged and pleaded with Thomas to believe it, to share in the joy that they had. And he wanted it to be true. But unless I put my hands in the nail marks, unless I I stick my hand into his side, I, I can't believe it. Now, Thomas wanted proof. Do you want proof? Before you will believe something is true, before you will accept it, before you will submit yourself, your your personal information, do you want proof? Do you desire to have that proof that will allow you to trust and believe it? Before you follow a path. And so that's why I believe that God made sure this was written down so that you could witness this interaction. And you could recognize and see what overcame Thomas's doubts. That's why I believe that God made sure that John wrote this down, and not only that John wrote it down, but then God preserved it throughout millennia of human history through famine and fire and war and disease so that you could hear it today. So you could see what overcame Thomas's doubt. We read a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And so death-defying Thomas learned something about Jesus. He learned that Jesus is death-defying. Literally death-defying. He learned that Jesus is death-destroying. And then Thomas also learned that Jesus is doubt-destroying and doubt-defeating. No, Thomas doubts had no chance. Not with the living, resurrected Jesus standing right in front of him. The resurrected Jesus did show Thomas the nail marks in his hands. Thomas did put his hand into Jesus' side. And then Thomas, in faith, responded as Thomas said to Jesus, My Lord and my God. The vacation package of eternal bliss and happiness was already in his hands. The magazine of the world's best and greatest news to ever be delivered was already delivered. The tomb was empty. And in these words from Thomas, he declared that Jesus is his own Savior and the Almighty Divine. And dear friends, God wants you 
to hear what Thomas said. Because God wants you also to know your death-defying, death-destroying, doubt-defeating Savior, Jesus. And it's no accident that right after this account, the author of this good news book, John, he writes the purpose that he had in writing. He says this, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These words were recorded. They were written. They were preserved throughout time and history to overcome your doubts. The Bible was recorded to overcome those doubts. John had a very definite purpose in his writing what he did. The elimination of your doubts. And there is no single historical document that has been as well attested to as the Bible. There is a mass of historical evidence that points to these accounts from these men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as eyewitness accounts. The truth. And many of these men, Thomas included, they did end up following Jesus and holding to this truth to their death. And you just don't die for something that you know is a lie. Dear friends, as disciples of Jesus, you also are witnesses to the nail marks in his hands his pierced side, the resurrected living Jesus, you are witnesses to it through the words of these eyewitnesses, through everything that has been recorded for you in this book and everything that it claims so that you would know incredible peace. Jesus said some amazing words in response to Thomas. He said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Dear friends, you are blessed. You are blessed through these words. And you are blessed to know peace. That peace that brings joy and comfort. That peace that Jesus brought to his disciples those evenings. As Jesus came into the room, that was his very first words when he said, peace be with you, and more than some momentary, temporary peace, this peace is eternal. This peace, it is everlasting. You know exactly what brings you peace. Full forgiveness of all of your sins. And your Savior Jesus, who died and rose again, for you. And God wants you to know this peace because this peace validates all of the promises that he has made to you. 
because you know this peace, you know that God is watching over your life right now. He's watching over your coming and going. He's going to send his angels to guard you in all of your ways, to protect you, to keep you, to heal you. When life gets difficult and challenging and there are struggles and there is pain and there is sorrow, then to carry you through it all and to bring you into the tear-free, pain-free halls of heaven to dwell with your God for all eternity. Because of this peace that Jesus brings you, because you are blessed to know this peace, then you know that even if your family has crumbled and fallen apart, no one can ever snatch you out of your Heavenly Father's hand. You know that when those minds who are filled and influenced by the scientists and the, and the philosophers of this world, and they reject the things that you believe and you hold to so dearly, they don't reject you. They reject God, your Heavenly Father, and His amazing message of grace and peace. You can trust all of God's promises because of your death-defying, death-destroying, doubt-defeating Savior Jesus because of his resurrection, what Thomas learned. So today, along comes a humble preacher, and he says to you that over 2,000 years ago, there was a man, not just a man, but the very Son of God, who died and rose again so that you are completely forgiven so that you right now stand right with God so that you will enjoy eternity in the presence of your heavenly father do you doubt it or do you believe it listen to Jesus words once again when he says blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed when he says peace be with you. Thomas lived a whole week without that peace and joy in his heart. I don't want you to live a single moment without such peace in your heart. The peace that comes from your death-defying, death-destroying, doubt-defeating Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.